Today's Friday, October 27th, 2023, and this is 5 at 8. With you today are Linda Carlisle and Mark Overman. In this episode, we'll talk about China's latest manned mission to its space station, ExxonMobil's significant oil and gas discovery in Guyana, the declining confidence of investors in European payments companies, the financial crisis faced by Chinese property developer Evergrande, and the concerns expressed by executives in the AI industry about the risks and challenges of artificial intelligence deployment. Story number one. China has launched its sixth manned mission to its space station, with three astronauts heading to the Tiangong space station for a six-month stay, as reported by CNN International. This launch comes 20 years after China's first astronaut went to space, marking the country's emergence as a space power. The crew, with an average age of 38, will carry out repair work on the station's solar panels, which were damaged by space debris. China's Tiangong space station is one of two currently in orbit and could become the only one left when the International Space Station retires in 2030. China plans to expand the Tiangong in the coming years to accommodate more astronauts. China's space ambitions have been growing rapidly, with achievements such as landing on the far side of the moon, launching its own satellite system to rival GPS, and successfully landing a rover on Mars. However, China still lacks the operational experience of organizations like NASA. Did you know, Linda, that China's recent space mission is the sixth manned journey to the Tiangong space station since 2021? It's fascinating to see how rapidly China's presence in space has evolved over the past two decades. It's a testament to their technological advancements and ambition. The launch of the Shenzhou 17 particularly is a milestone. This young crew is tasked with the first repair work outside the station, indicating China's readiness to handle complex space operations. Absolutely. It's a big step. And it's not just about the advancements, but the pace at which they're moving. It took the U.S. and Soviet Union decades to reach where China has in just 20 years. It's part and parcel of their growing economic, political, and military ascendancy. Yes, and this isn't just about the space race. The geopolitical implications are significant. The U.S. has dominated space for years, and now China is emerging as a major contender. It's interesting to note that China is planning to expand the Tiangong, which could potentially house more astronauts than the ISS. Right, Linda. This could also be China's way of responding to being shut out of the International Space Station due to espionage concerns. They're building their capabilities and inviting international partners for experiments, effectively creating an alternative to the ISS. Well, Mark, it's a double-edged sword. On one hand, this could lead to a new era of space diplomacy, where countries collaborate in space exploration despite earthly rivalries. On the other hand, if the U.S. and China continue to exclude each other, it could lead to a new space race, reminiscent of the one between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. That's a great point, Linda. And while competition can spur innovation, it can also lead to tensions and conflicts. It's a complex situation that needs to be handled with care. But one thing's for sure, the advancements in space exploration are reshaping the global power dynamics and the future of international relations on Earth. Story number two. A consortium led by ExxonMobil has made a significant discovery of oil and gas in Guyana, as reported by Reuters. The Lancet Fish 2 well is the fourth offshore discovery in Guyana this year, bringing the total number of discoveries since 2015 to 46 with over 11 billion barrels of recoverable oil and gas. Most of the findings have been in Exxon's Stabroic block, 
which is expected to produce up to 1.2 million barrels of oil and gas per day by 2027. The Lancet Fish 2 discovery has an estimated 20 meters of hydrocarbon-bearing reservoir and approximately 81 meters of additional hydrocarbon-bearing sandstone. The reservoir will undergo an appraisal process, but no estimate of the number of barrels of oil found has been provided. What an exciting development for Guyana, huh? The fourth offshore discovery this year. It's like they've hit the jackpot. It's definitely going to make significant waves in the global energy market. ExxonMobil's consortium is sitting on a gold mine. Over 11 billion barrels of recoverable oil and gas since 2015. That's not small potatoes, Linda. Certainly, Mark. The economic implications are huge, but we must be mindful of the potential environmental consequences. Major oil finds can be a double-edged sword, so to speak. On the one hand, they promise economic growth and development, but on the other, they present serious environmental risks. The extraction and use of fossil fuels directly contribute to climate change. And then there's the potential for oil spills, which can have devastating effects on marine ecosystems. No doubt, Linda, no doubt. We've seen the repercussions of oil spills in the past. Remember the Gulf of Mexico incident? It was a disaster. But let's not forget the other side of the coin. Guyana's economy could potentially transform, much like the Middle East did during the oil boom. This could mean better infrastructure, jobs, standard of living, the whole nine yards. But, yeah, they need to tread carefully. Right, Mark. It's a delicate balance between economic development and environmental preservation. It's also a good moment to talk about the importance of investing in renewable energy sources. The world is gradually moving away from fossil fuels, and for a good reason. While the discovery will undoubtedly bring economic benefits for Guyana, it's essential to consider the long-term sustainability and the country's role in the global fight against climate change. Couldn't agree more, Linda. We can only hope that Guyana learns from other countries' experiences and takes a balanced approach, capitalizing on this golden opportunity while safeguarding its natural environment. After all, we've got only one planet. We gotta take care of it. Story number three. Investors in European payments company stocks are losing confidence due to a bleak economic outlook and increased regulatory scrutiny, as reported by Reuters. The valuations of these companies, which surged during the COVID-19 pandemic, have plummeted as market expectations have changed. Worldline, a French payments firm, saw its shares drop by 59.2% after reporting lower-than-expected third-quarter revenue and reducing its full-year targets. Other companies in the sector, such as Italy's Nexi and London-listed cab payments, also experienced sell-offs. Analysts attribute the decline to investors losing patience with the industry and concerns about a potential recession in the Eurozone. Competition from new entrants and more established rivals is also putting pressure on valuations. Venture capital investment in European payment firms has decreased, and banks are becoming cautious about their payment exposures. The collapse of Wirecard in 2020 has increased scrutiny on payments firms, leading to investor concerns. Market consolidation, which previously drove interest in the sector, has slowed down. Private equity investors may step in to support payment service firms following a significant write-down by Fidelity National Information Services, as stated by Reuters. Do you remember how European payment companies were the talk of the town during the pandemic? Sky-high valuations, explosive growth in digital financial services. Well, looks like the party's over. The market is doing a big rethink, and it's not looking pretty. Just take Worldline, for example. 
Their shares dropped by almost 60% in one day. Investors seem to be losing patience with these companies. There's a clear shift in investor sentiment. The economic outlook is bleak, and regulatory scrutiny has intensified. This has particularly hit hard on firms like Worldline. Also, consumption patterns are changing due to inflation and the potential recession in the Eurozone. These are substantial issues for any industry, let alone one that's been enjoying a pandemic boom. Absolutely, Linda. And let's not forget the competition. New entrants like Stripe, Block, and SumUp are upping the game. They're able to slash their commission to either gain or keep market share. It's a tough market out there, and the older players are feeling the heat. Yes, and an important aspect to remember is the shadow of Wirecard's collapse. It's led to an increased sensitivity, as Hannes Leitner puts it. Regulatory bodies are more vigilant now, and this vigilance can be a double-edged sword. On one hand, it can prevent fraud and ensure fair practices. On the other hand, it can stifle innovation and growth. Worldline, for instance, has been hit by this increased scrutiny. You're spot on, Linda. We've seen Worldline cutting ties with merchants due to increased monitoring costs for cybercrime and due diligence. It's clear that the regulatory environment is impacting their business strategy. What's more, market consolidation that used to drive interest in the sector is slowing down. Looks like investors are being more discerning now. True, Mark. The sector seems to be at a crossroads. With venture capital investment flows drying up, companies might turn to other sources of funding or reassess their strategies. This could potentially open up opportunities for private equity investors. For instance, Nexi is being eyed by CVC Capital Partners. It's a challenging period for the European payments sector, and it'll be interesting to see how it navigates through these turbulent waters. Story number four. Chinese property developer Evergrande is facing a major financial crisis, owing over $325 billion and repeatedly failing to make loan payments. The company's billionaire chairman is under police surveillance. Its shares are nearly worthless, and over a million people in China are waiting for their homes to be completed. According to the BBC, while in most Western countries, a failing private business would be liquidated or bailed out by the government, China operates differently due to its unique economic system. The Chinese government has the ability to intervene and provide financial support to troubled companies like Evergrande. However, the government's control over the banking system and creditors means that the company remains in a state of limbo, neither dead nor alive. The collapse of Evergrande could have significant repercussions for China's economy, property market, and social stability. While a bailout is possible, it would go against China's leadership's efforts to rein in unsustainable debt and change the economy's direction. Ultimately, the fate of Evergrande and its resolution remains uncertain as China's leadership navigates the complex challenges it presents. How about this Evergrande situation, huh? It's like watching a slow-motion car crash. You have this gigantic property developer sitting on a mountain of debt, more than Russia's entire national debt, if you can believe it, and lurching from crisis to crisis. They've sold their headquarters, their shares are practically worthless, and their billionaire chairman is under police surveillance, not to mention over a million people still waiting for their homes to be completed. It's a real mess. It's quite a predicament. What's interesting here is the unique economic model that China operates under. It's neither fully capitalist nor communist. It can best be described as a hybrid system. This makes it difficult to predict the fate of Evergrande. In most Western countries, 
A failing business like Evergrande would typically be liquidated or, in extreme cases, bailed out by the government. But in China, the situation is managed differently. The Chinese government has eased pressure on Evergrande in ways other countries can't. This company is still afloat mainly because the government hasn't allowed it to sink. It's in this bizarre zombie-like state. The majority of the money Evergrande owes is to creditors within China, and the government's control over them is key to keeping the company alive. It's a different ballgame over there. Yes, and it's worth noting that Evergrande's crisis is a symptom of a larger issue within China's real estate sector. The sector has been largely fueled by heavy borrowing and speculative investments. This model is not sustainable in the long run. The Chinese government has been trying to rein in this unsustainable debt, but the process is far from painless. The problem for China's leadership is that a collapse could have disastrous implications, while a bailout would contradict their own regulatory measures. Yeah, it's a real catch-22 situation. On one hand, they've got a ticking time bomb that could send shockwaves through the Chinese economy and beyond if it explodes. On the other hand, bailing out Evergrande now would basically be a slap in the face to their own policy of trying to deleverage the sector. It's a tough call. No doubt about it. And let's not forget about the human element in all of this. A collapse would mean hundreds of thousands of Chinese homebuyers left without an apartment they've paid for. It could potentially lead to more public anger and even instability, which is a significant threat to the Communist Party, whose power has long been bolstered by China's prosperity. Story number five. Executives in the AI industry, as reported by the Washington Post, have expressed concerns about the risks and challenges associated with the deployment of artificial intelligence. They highlighted the potential dangers of immature AI systems on the battlefield and the need for mature technology. Despite President Biden's executive order to address AI issues, executives remain fearful of the future impact of AI. The launch of generative AI tools, has raised global concerns about the technology's impact on society and democracy. Policymakers and experts, as stated by the Washington Post, emphasize the importance of legislative action to address AI's challenges. It is crucial to make responsible decisions now as they will shape the future for decades to come. Can you believe this, Linda? We're looking at a potential battlefield scenario with AI that's still in its infancy. It's like giving a toddler the keys to a Ferrari. I mean, what could possibly go wrong, right? It's a sobering thought. The deployment of immature AI systems on the battlefield could pose significant risks to our soldiers. It's not just about the technology's readiness, it's also about the potential for unintended consequences. Remember the nuclear energy era? The potential was huge, but so were the risks. Right, right. So what do you make of Biden's executive order? Will it be enough to keep these AI advancements in check? Well, it's a step in the right direction, but it won't be enough by itself. As the executives pointed out, we need to be thinking about the long-term implications of AI, not just the immediate benefits. And that's where legislation comes in. It's like the checks and balances in our democracy. We need multiple measures in place to ensure the responsible development and deployment of AI. Yeah, it seems like we're always playing catch-up with technology. So, what's the role of big tech companies here? Are they the bad guys? Or can they be part of the solution? Well, it's not about good guys or bad guys, Mark. It's about responsibility. These tech companies have the resources and expertise to drive AI innovation, but they also have an obligation to consider the societal impacts of their technologies. 
We need more robust lobbying for the social good, not just for corporate interests. So, it's really a matter of balance, huh? Innovation versus regulation, corporate interests versus public good. It's a tricky tightrope to walk. Let's hope we can navigate it without falling off for the sake of our soldiers and our democracy. It's a complex issue that requires thoughtful dialogue and collective action. It's not just about AI. It's about the kind of future we want to create with this powerful technology. I think we all have a role to play in shaping that future. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.